straight efficiency with Nackfee's Mike Roth and Friends. Here in episode 77, we're joined by Matt McClelland. He's vice president of sustainability and innovation at Covenant, where we talk about why he loves his role at the truckload carrier. He brags about the strides the trucking industry has made on reducing carbon and explains the green premium. He also shares his thoughts on why he is a huge fan of renewable diesel and the fact that there is a lot for the trucking industry to be excited about. Today we have joining us Matt McClelland. He's the Vice President of Sustainability and Innovation at Covenant. Um, pretty exciting title there, right? Covenant, a truckload uh, carrier, and the fact that they have a VP of Sustainability and Innovation is um, fantastic. So great to have you on today, Matt. Looking forward to this. Hey, thanks for having me on, Mike. It's good to be here. Yeah, you know, the title of this, and, and uh, now I've done this almost 80 times, so, you know, the title of this podcast that we came up with right away was Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Roth and Friends, and I uh, turn away a lot of people who want to be on this podcast that I say, you know, you're not a friend yet, so once we become friends, maybe you can qualify, but you remember how we uh, we became friends, Matt? Oh, I remember exactly how that happened, Mike. It was at a trade show. Help me remember the name of it. It's the one that we don't have anymore. Uh, NACV or... V. So, yeah, there was NACV, North American Commercial Vehicle. It was event huge. And, and... It was huge. And a boondoggle at, I don't know who put it together, but it, was, it wasn't affiliated with like ATA or TCA or any of the big events. And it was just, it was massive. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. It was um, put on by the same group that does the um, Hanover show every other year. And um, yeah, their concept was less on, you know, conference and panels and, and speakers and more on, you know, the trade show and creating experiences in the in the trade show. And we we uh, had the finale event for both the first run on less in 17 and then the run on less regional in 19, the the finale event was um, held there. So you may have, we may have met at a NACV event located at NACV. Yeah. Tell us about yourself, Matt. I mean, what, what's your background? What's your career? Uh, what, what brought you, uh, what brought you to Covenant? And then ultimately, what are you doing? What are you doing today? Yeah. So I, um, I've been in, so I'm 53 years old. I guess you can, you can volunteer stuff like that these days. You can't ask it. Right. But um I um, was in IT for most of my career. I joined Covenant about five years ago and um, really to run their innovation and sustainability initiatives. And I guess what that means is they identified, I want to say early on, earlier than most, that there were a lot of things that we weren't doing that we needed to start researching, piloting, uh, budgeting for. You know, if your listeners are carriers like Covenant and I mean, it's hard enough just to keep the wheels on the bus, right? Just to maintain trucks and to keep them maintained and to, you know, get in the new trucks and put them out on the road. And that doesn't always really leave a lot of time to really focus on what the future is like. And back in 2018, a bunch of interesting things were happening. There was a lot of talk about electrification. There was starting to be some talk about autonomous. There was starting to be some talk about environmental concerns you know, under the umbrella of like global warming and what was corporate's involvement and things like that. And so Covenant just felt like it was a good opportunity to have somebody on staff full time that had a lot of time dedicated to spending time with startups, spending time with OEMs, learning about what customers were asking for. And so we created this position, a sustainability and innovation position. And, um, you know, really within a year, so in early 2019, we had customers 
regularly, both existing and prospects, Mike, asking us, what do you think about these topics? And guess what? We have answers because I've been spending a lot of time looking at it. And so we can sort of unpack that a little bit more. But today, you know, I run our ESG, our, our CSR ESG initiatives. You know, I'm the one that pretty much tracks what the SEC is going to require of large companies, specifically publicly traded companies like Covenant. You know, I get to work with a lot of our friends, including some of the folks at NACFI about ARB and the ACF rule and what types of solutions do we need to be looking at. So it's a, it's a great role. I love it. I'm, I just had an annual performance review and, you know, we kind of talked about what is the future for you look like here. And I really don't want any other job in our company other than <laughs> the one that I've got. Because I just, I love it. I love getting up and yeah. doing it. It's like you, Mike, you love your job, right? Can you imagine doing anything else? No, I can't. Uh, and, you know, I think what they're allowing you to do is as well, be a bit of a, the, a voice for the industry around these things. I mean, we we um, we see each other quite often. Uh, we've even spoken on similar panels. And I think what, what, what Matt, you and I maybe each bring to, to the industry is like, uh, you know, a, a reality check on all of this. So, you know, I just take, if I take myself back 10 years ago, you know, we were coming off of diesel exhaust emissions, the whole, you know, uh, you know, we could talk about climate and global warming, but, you know, 10 years ago, you know, it was still, how do I get my freight and what's the cost? And over the last 10 years, we've seen a movement to not only, time and cost, but how are you moving it? What, what kind of trucks are you using? What kind of uh, emissions are those trucks creating? I mean, are they old trucks that are, that are, you know, we don't have a lot of the heavy knocks and particular matter trucks anymore, but we do have trucks with much worse fuel economy. And so now I think we're being asked more about that. So let's do dive into that a little bit. So you're, you're saying that Covenant's customers are asking you questions in you know, their normal contracting for freight around sustainability. I mean, how does that show up in the real world, Matt? Yeah, so, so let me start by, by, by kind of bragging on um, you know, where our industry has gone without anybody forcing us to. So there's a, a statistic and specifically a graphic on the ATA's website. In fact, I've gotten permission for us to use it in our, our upcoming CSR report that says the average truck on the road today has 98% um, um, fewer particulate matter and NOx than your average truck did back in 1988. So just think about that for a second. So th then they have a, a graphic that shows 60 of today's trucks equal about one of today's uh, a truck back in 1988 as it relates to emissions. So we've come a long way, Mike, and I don't think the industry always gets credit for that. We weren't forced to do it. It was just part of fuel economy and just being thoughtful about the environment. And so, you know, the average age of Covenant truck is 2.1 years. Um, we consider a newer fleet being the most efficient fleet. Um, obviously, it's a cleaner truck because it turns more often. It's helpful with driver recruiting and other things. And so I think most of the large fleets probably have it between two and three years, I think is the industry standard. You know, your, your smaller fleets and your owner operators, you know, the average age of in the industry is 6.7 years for a truck. And obviously there's some a lot older than that. And a lot of that's going to change, you know, and, and, you know, if you and I had like a five hour podcast that would bore most people to tears, right? We could go into details about how, you know, some of the California port requirements are going to be, you know, outlawing trucks beyond a certain age because of emissions. And there's just a lot of things that's going to be different about our industry over the next couple mm -hmm. of years. 
as it relates to regulation, but we run a newer fleet. Um, a lot of our competitors do the same thing. And um, while we still have a ways to go, we're a lot better off than we were 20 years ago. I mean, you you were a Navistar guy for a long time and you were you watched firsthand how the innovations they made in their trucks were were, were big, right? Yeah, and the way we the way we look back at like let's just say history is um, you know the cost of fuel drove a lot of these um, decisions, and you know we had a we had a pretty um, you know we had we had times where fuel prices were high, we had times where they were low. Now, uh, when they were high, you know, we all worked on fuel efficiency and those things. And when it was low, we sort of ignored it. We forgot about it. We, you know, we drove faster. We had, we bought trucks with less aerodynamics. We saved money on this and that and the other because the fuel cost wasn't there. And, and then now we've been through now, you know, I would call it like eight of the last 10 years, we've been around $4 diesel. And so we got kind of a, a, a new world here of higher fuel prices and, um, that's that then has us all thinking about just that. And then there's these regulations that, you know, with, whether it's the greenhouse gas rule for fuel economy or the zero emission things that are coming out of California and the MOU states. But as well, uh, this last item that we talk about a lot and you've brought up already on this podcast is that, you know, just a drive to being more sustainable. So, you know, I see shippers now asking, if not requiring carriers to say to, to explain you know what's your fuel efficiency or what's your you know what are you doing around electric trucks or natural gas those are questions that shippers didn't used to ask they were only just about you know get my freight from point a to point b and what's the cost and i do think that that's showing up as a real change in our industry um, it's just not regulations right well let me make it let me make, you make a great point and let me make it a little bit more nuanced right because um you know i feel like um I get into this debate sometimes with some of our leadership, but um, you know, we talk about fuel economy. I talk about carbon reduction. Our customers um, off. So we did a big ROI a few years ago on the value of electric APUs. Okay, so for those in the audience that may not know what those are, those are devices that charge up while the truck is running. These big battery banks, and it makes them able to run air conditioning and heating and HVAC, basically HVAC and electrical appliances and things while the driver is at rest, whether that's you know during a sleep cycle or um, dwell times at a yard or waiting at the port. So these devices, you put you traditional ROI, you put all the cost savings into its spreadsheet, the biggest one being fuel reduction. And you pencil it out and you decide whether or not the thing makes sense economically over the life of the truck. So we ran that number and it was pretty much right on the edge, right? It was, we weren't going to lose money, but we weren't going to make money. But the part of it might, that I think we have to start thinking about now as carriers that are more thoughtful about are the emissions, right? So it may not pencil out on the economics, but the emission reduction, the idle reduction is tremendous. So what's the value of that? And so I would sit with our CFO and we'd look at it like, okay, let's put in a number for the value of carbon reduction. He looked at me like I was crazy because that's not traditionally part of a, a, an ROI. But now, Mike, I'm seeing lots of decisions that we're having to make as an industry on CapEx investments that may not necessarily pay off for a financial ROI, unless you can change your rates and recoup some of that money yeah. else. So, you know, I call it the social ROI, right? I call it the part of the return that you can't calculate like numerically in a very specific way, but it's something that you can't ignore. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. And so for a long time, NACV, when we look at 
benefits and challenges of technologies. And then we try to monetize that in ROI calculations. One of the ways we look at it, Matt, is hard costs, soft costs. And then we've always struggled with the third, like softer or uh, very difficult to monetize costs. And when I say cost, that's both benefits and expenses. So, um, you know, one of the things we we believe we've discovered with electric trucks in our run on less and, and other investigations is that drivers love them. So if drivers really love these trucks, and I believe they do, and, I, and I've said it, you know, that I expect in my 50-year career, I'm at 38 years now, but I expect that there will be, uh, that the dr driver attraction around electric trucks will be the biggest thing that maybe in my whole career, because I, I believe in it. So, okay, so let's, let's just play with that for a minute and say, yes, that's going to happen, um, that people who deploy electric trucks are going to have um, more retention of drivers and an easier way to attract them. Well, that saves carriers money you know, whether you're, you know, whoever you are. Um, but, you know, it's hard to calculate, hard to monetize, you know, is that a, is 5%, 2%, 20%, um, you know, what kind of cost savings is that? But it's that, that, it, that it is real. I think the same thing holds with some of these, um, you know, sustainability pieces, your carbon or emissions pieces you're talking about. And, and I do, I do think for a while here, and, you know, we're going to see, um, some shippers be willing to pay more for some freight being moved um, more sustainably. We actually saw that um, a bit with natural gas years ago. And, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, you even using electric APUs or, um, or other things to improve your carbon footprint of these trucks vis-a-vis -vis saving money on fuel, but having an expense to lay out there. Um, you know, maybe some some shippers might recognize that and help you with those costs. Maybe not everybody, yeah. but maybe a handful. So I think we're we're starting to see some. I, I think we need to be creative in those ROIs. The old school of if it doesn't pay back in eighteen months with hard costs, then I'm not doing it. Um, you know, is is kind of uh, you know, old school. Yeah. So in the industry, you know, we call it the green premium, right? And the big joke is you know, customers are asking for it, shippers are asking for it, but once you give them the number of what it's going to cost, they're unwilling to pay for it. And so, you know, I think a year ago, that's kind of the way a lot of these conversations went. But just this year, and I told our board of directors this when, when I presented to them late last year, that I felt like 2023 was going to be kind of the tipping point, that we were going to start seeing shippers willing to pay more to meet these, you know, carbon goals that they've met as an organization. And so, um, you know, we're starting to see it. Um, I'm not seeing it at the level that I would like. So in other words, right. uh, I'm a huge fan of electrification where it makes sense, but I'm not going to go broke doing it. Right. And so, yeah. So let me ask you a question right there. Um, so uh, oftentimes I will hear, you know, you hear people talking about, you know, decarbonizing freight movement or decarbonizing trucks. And uh, a lot of folks think or even talk about that being, well, that's zero emission trucks. That's electric trucks or hydrogen fuel cell trucks. And, you know, we're at NACV quick to say, whoa, whoa wait a minute. Uh, you know, if you take your diesel truck from six to eight mile per gallon, you've done a hell of a decarbonization. You're not at zero, but you're burning a lot less fuel to save the to move the same amount of freight. Um, I guess I'm sure you believe that, right? The way you were talking about EAPUs and other things. But. Um, do you see that dynamic in the marketplace, and and how do you uh, how do you talk through it, uh, you oh, know, yeah. in the real world of covenant? So, okay, at the risk of sounding like a you know 
an advertisement for NACFI and the Great Wark and the papers that you guys do. But, you know, your messy middle paper, which, by the way, if your listeners haven't downloaded that, it's a fantastic paper. I've made a reference to it in the latest CSR report that, that we're about to put out next week. But, you know, these 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 sort of bridge technologies, as you and I like to call them, are a perfect solution for things that we can do today that may or may not add a substantial amount of cost to the way we do business. I'll give you a great example. And I talk about this a lot. And anybody listening to your podcast that's heard me speak before will know that I'm a huge fan of renewable diesel. This is a product that you can put in your truck today that's better for the engine, significantly fewer greenhouse gas emissions, less soot, less regens, better for the engine. The OEMs prefer it. And the price point is pretty similar to regular diesel. And you can put it in your truck right now. And it doesn't give you better fuel economy. It doesn't necessarily give you more power. Although anecdotally, our drivers have, have, have reported that the cetane level feels like it's a little higher. So it does have a little bit more pep. But here's a product that basically doesn't do anything for the customer, but it does give tremendously better results from the tailpipe. That's something that we can do right now. Yep. And it's interesting. Yep. Um, I'll just say this one last thing, because I know you've got a couple of thoughts on this, but um, I've got a friend, Keith Wilson, who owns a small fleet of 45 trucks up in Portland, Oregon. He's proponent of this, um, of, a, of a plan. It's called SB803. It's legislation that they just introduced to make renewable diesel the only product available in the state of Oregon at the pump. And I ended up getting into a debate with a guy that was also testifying against it, because his approach, Mike, was we don't need to be putting money into bridge technologies. We need to be investing our resources in true zero emission vehicles, which, by the way, are so far in advance, especially as it relates to trucking. So there are things that we can do today. And a lot of your reports detail what those are. Renewable dues should be one of them. There's a lot of things for us to be excited about, things that we can do today. It's not a super, super long list, but it's definitely a list. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. I mean, after we issued the messy metal report, I blogged, um, you know, that we can chew gum and walk at the same time. And, and what I meant by that is, yes, we've got a big hill to climb on electric and hydrogen, but and we need to go about that because those are like those are like the home runs in a baseball analogy. But the um, the things that we can do now are really important to, um, you know, moving runners around the bases, um, you know, instead of a home run. And, you know, too many analogies there in my in my comment, Matt. But um, but my point is, is that. But my point is that we can do we can do both um, the lower hanging fruit, the things that are available now, whether it's renewable diesel, whether it's aerodynamics, whether it's really working with your drivers and thinking through speed limits and, can, you know, and, 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 and speed, which, which uh, can really affect fuel economy, um, depending on your routes and what kind of business you're in. All those, a lot of those things, and, and, and you know, spoiler alert, but those things that we do on diesel trucks today will help us with the range of electric trucks tomorrow and next decade. Oh. So, um, you know, I, I think not only um, should we do these various things, um, they build upon each other, and, and it's really important to, 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 to do that. Um, I do want to get into, you know, Covenant, you do a lot of team driving, a lot of long haul, and um, so th this is even a, a bigger pertinent conversation for you because, um, you know, the like you said earlier, the uh, electric and hydrogen, hydrogen's not here yet, and electric is, um, you know, range constrained. So this whole, how do we do more with with uh, less diesels, really um, top of mind probably for Covenant's management today. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. There are um, um, 
you, you know, again, our customers are really asking questions about needle moving solutions and not these kind of, I don't want to call them boring because I don't want to make them um, sound like they're not worth doing, but, you know, putting a bunch of trailer skirts on a trailer is not fun. At like a hydrogen powered truck is right. Um, but we just ran a test. We were able to put a combination of products on a trailer that gets us between eight and 10% operating efficiency over what was wow. there before. Like that's huge. Right. And Mike, yep. you brought up a good point. Take that trailer, put it in a electric truck, and now you got even better performance. Right. So, you know, there's just a lot of things that you can still do. And, um, you know, a lot of them are very debatable. You and I talked about these on a group call that we had just a few hours ago with some of the other industry leaders that you get together with on a regular basis to kind of bounce ideas off of. Um, I got into a debate with a guy or a discussion one about wheel covers, right? There, there's a certain amount of efficiency that comes from wheel covers, but it also it discourages people from doing um, air pressure checks on their walk around on a pre-trip inspection. So, you know, everything's got a pro and a con. And yeah. I'm just glad, Mike, that you coordinate and, and you coordinate events for people like me to get together and sort of talk about this with my peers. Because if there's anything I like more about my job is that I can work with competitors to help talk through and spitball ideas um, that we all need to be doing together as an industry, not as competitors. Yeah, so you know we're we're starting to run out of time, Matt, and I'd like to wrap it up with this sort of question for you. And you know, throughout this conversation, we've been talking about discussions and debates and and uh, arguments um, with different people. And I think what we we're in this, you know, we're in the decarbonization of freight movement. We uh, we can see, and you know, we've been doing incredible fuel economy gains over the last um, decade. You talked about um, emissions reductions and the pollutant emissions. You know, we're definitely in this and, and there's a long way to go before we get to true zero. But um, what's your advice? I mean, we've got a lot of startups that see the opportunity here with some great ideas, whether it's in, you know, load matching all the way to technologies and new truck builders. In a final question, um, you know, how do you suggest we all act today and next week uh, around these dynamics, which are, uh, you know, I'm convinced we're in a transformation, which means we're not into just change, we're into significant change. So what's your advice to the industry and how we how we can be successful coming through this? You know, I, I don't think everybody's in a position to go out and kind of hire like a mat, right, to be run all the sustainability innovation initiatives. But I do think there's people in every organization that could probably carve out, it would have to be very intentional from the C-level down, but say 20, 25 percent of their job to spend time looking at solutions like this. Um, you know, whether that means going to the ACT Expo and looking at, um, looking at you know, all the different things that are available at a, at a you know, at a you know, on the floor where they have all the providers that come in and, and, and show their wares, but going to conferences, you know, learning, you know, attending or, you know, downloading white papers like yours. You know, there are things out there, Mike, that we're trying and experimenting with. Um, there's a company called Remora that we just signed a deal with to get some of their products next year that is direct carbon capture out of the tailpipe. Um, you know, we are looking at, you um, you know, uh, more electric APUs across our fleet. We just signed a deal. This is interesting, and I'll, I'll kind of end with this, but there's a little startup here in Chattanooga called Repower. So they are um, 
trying to make money with companies like us that have excess trailers that are just sitting around idle. They'll rent them from us for short periods of time so that we can get revenue. But what's more important is they reposition those trailers. So we rent the trailer like, yeah, you can rent these five trailers in San Francisco, California, but I need them back on this date and I need them in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So they'll not only rent the trailer from us, but they'll also deliver them to where yeah, we need them. Yeah. So the repositioning of trailers and the expense that we used to have using fully you know, empty trailers, moving them around the country is huge. I never would have thought a company would start up to do that, but these kids did. So there's a lot. Yeah, of that's. A, yeah, I would characterize that as like the digital economy and the sharing economy, right? Where, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, I share my neighbor's power washer or we, you know, we both I buy one, he buy, or he buys one, we share it. I mean, here's got a case where you're, you know, you're sharing trailers. You know, I, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think um, being open to these um, these ideas and and uh, and and uh, you know looking at where any idea can come from, whether it's a startup or traditional, and then um, and then acting on them and and not being afraid to work on some of these small initiatives because um, you know every little bit helps. Yeah, no, and and listen, thanks for having me on my show on your show. You know, I have listened to your you know I do a lot of road trips like you do, so I listen to everything from Joe Rogan podcast to your podcast. Thanks for doing what you do. And, um, you, you know, again, I always enjoy the people that you choose to have on. I'm flattered that you that you picked me for this week. So thanks again. Freight Efficiency with NACFI's Mike Rosen Friends.